welcome to the Beekeeper's Corner Podcast. May 22nd, 2022, episode 211, Bee Haven. Hello everyone and welcome to the corner. I'm Kevin England. And now for something a little bit different. For this episode, I'm going to get to do something I love, but don't get a chance to do around here too much. And I made a promise, now that we're a little less restricted with COVID, that I'm going to get out and do some one-on-one with some beekeepers I know. And today's episode is an interview with commercial beekeeper Eric Hannon. I've had my nose to the ground stone recently and decided it was time for a day off. And I don't know about you, but when we're in the height of spring and I take a day off... I'm likely to try and find something to do that I enjoy around beekeeping or racing. In the case of this episode, I took the time to reconnect with a friend and spent the day with Eric helping him work his hives and followed him on kind of what is a day in the life for him. We were supposed to do this a little earlier this year, but that got called off and this particular day was a touch and go morning. It was foggy with showers throughout the day and it did sprinkle a couple times on us but we were able to get it in and the day was a success after we were done for the day we pulled up a patio chair out behind his house and even though it was raining a bit i did what i often do to some of my beekeeping friends i put a microphone on eric and tried to capture a sense of what he does i'm not going to foreshadow the whole discussion as i want you to enjoy the conversation as it unfolds but i have one programming note It's that I broke the session into three parts. Eric and I talked to a specific point in his backyard, and then in the middle, I snuck in a bit of the recording we did from the field that day, from the seventh floor rooftop of the MC Hotel in downtown Montclair. I wanted to call out the ambiance in the middle of the clip so you don't miss it. We were on the rooftop overlooking the skyline for New York City. Next to the hotel is the school. The kids were playing out on the playground. And you could hear the sounds of the children playing and the hustle and bustle of the street sounds wafting up to our location. The hotel has a rooftop restaurant. And on the other side of the building from where the bees are, you can have dinner there. While overlooking the skyline, it's a really magnificent setting. I think you'll find this recording fascinating as it's another side of beekeeping that you know exists, but there are, by my estimation, only a few individuals with the credentials and acumen, the word that I use and you'll hear me use, to successfully pull it off. So as I said, in the middle, there's a break away to the rooftop discussion, and then it comes back to conclude the conversation that took place. I'm going to get out of the way and get things started. Thanks to Eric Hannon from Bee Haven for the day. And I hope you enjoy the one-on-one. So Beekeeper's Corner podcast episode 211. I want to welcome in Eric Hannon. Eric, buddy, how are you doing? I'm doing well. 211? 211. Holy cow. I think that's the number. So Eric. Amazing. Everybody, nobody has a clue who you are, but you and I, we're, we've been BFS today. Yeah, BFS. today. Today. Three, three, four years now. Yeah, so let's go back to that. Uh, we are acquaintances from the trip to Malawi. Yeah, I think it was March 
2000. We met in 17 at the state meeting when Tim got us all together and said, hey, these are the folks that are going. We were in East Windsor Township, I think. Yeah. And I remember you and Mary up at the front of the stage, and we met Gary Shep and (laughs) others. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, been a friendship ever since. And, you know, you live over here where we are today, uh, out by New York City, and I live on the other side of the state. So we make it a point every once in a while to try and get connected. After COVID, we've been part a while, but uh, happy to be here today. You invited me over for a day of fun, and that's what it was. Thanks for coming to the big city. Yeah. So... Obviously, since I'm talking to you, it should be stated that you're a beekeeper, but you're not the typical two hives in the backyard kind of beekeeper guy. No, I uh, bring hives to different people's properties, and I try and make sure that they get some honey and they don't get stung. So let's let's talk about a couple of things. And the first thing I like to do uh, when I bring a guest in is just kind of get a sense of who you are and, and what you're about. Uh, you know, I've known you and Mary for a while, but I don't know a lot of your backstory. Um, obviously, I know some of your background is in television work, working for the big networks and stuff in New York City and whatever. But what happened before that? Were you ever involved in beekeeping? How, how did how does a guy in New York City get involved in beekeeping? I stumbled into it. I always fancied myself as a kind of a gentleman farmer, but I never had a farm. And I lived in New York for quite a while, and we moved out to the suburbs, which is now turning to, into like a little urban Queensy-looking New Jersey neighborhood. But um, I was able to realize my dream and, and get out of television production by bringing honeybee hives to clients' properties and taking care of the bees. So. I'm assuming you got out of your television past, but when we say television past, you were in yeah, was major it? network television. Yeah, it was at ABC and, News 2020. And Mary and works for... She's at CNBC now. CNBC. And I worked for Dateline. I was with all, so the, all the big boys. You go from that kind of life to, I'm going to be a beekeeper. How the heck do you make that transition? You didn't know anything about bees? Well, I started as a hobbyist. Um, I ran into a guy uh, twice two weeks in a row, two random places. Once was at Long Valley Sheep Shearing Festival. Uh And we're talking about 10, 12 years ago. And, you know, we're looking at the blacksmith and the sheep are being sheared and there's local cheeses. I think my mom turned us on to the idea. So it was a family type of event. Brought the kids. They were young at the time. And uh, sure enough, there's a guy with this observation hive. I've never seen one before. And I'm chatting with him. And I said, you know, if you... If you need a spot uh, to host a, a hive, I'd love to have some bees on my property. We have a half acre, and, you know, why not? I've, I've got chickens, and I've got apple trees and pear trees. And he said, yeah, you know, great, whatever. And he, he was maybe 10 miles west of us. Sure enough, a week later, we bump into him randomly on a Sunday at the Essex County Environmental Center in Roseland, here comes this guy with this big diesel F-150 truck and he's taking care of the bees that we had just seen. And it's the guy from the festival. Yeah. And the kids are with us and he liked the kids and the questions and everybody was kind of in the same zone. And the next thing you know, a week later, he brought a, a honeybee hive over to my backyard. 
And uh, for the next two, three years, we talked about trying to, you know, get together to make a little money bringing bees to different people's properties. So you traded your career and you joined in with this guy. Uh, you learned baptism by fire, I'm guessing, right? I mean, as I sit here, there's two hives over here to our left. We're in your backyard. There's like four of them out back, a couple of nukes and stuff. And uh, you were telling me today, how many hives are you maintaining right now? We're at about 85, 90 hives now. Yeah? Yeah. So you're not a backyard beekeeper. You're a commercial guy. That's what I would call you. Uh, you may manage things, as, and, and we'll get into this in a second, uh, two, three, four at a time. But um, you have a commercial bent to you, uh, I, I could say by experience. Um, but we're getting ahead of ourselves, so, so hold on to that. So you enter into a partnership with this guy. You did it for a while, and then eventually you guys uh, went separate ways. Yep. But you're, you're still doing it. The name of your business? Behaven. Behaven. Be, oh, behave. Did you hear that before? <laughs> you got to behave. The bees um, are behaving. And, and the thing that you do is what... This is a... Uh, we were just talking after working bees or whatever. It's a very unique place. You're on the outskirts of New York City. As you drive around your neighborhood, when we go up on the ridge, you look across and you can see the skyline of Manhattan and all of that. These are not the typical places where people are going to learn how to keep bees, but they want bees in their backyard. They want bees in their front yard, like the one we went to today. Mm -hmm. And you found a niche in that, and it feels like, um, I don't know how to, to, to say it, like you, you've figured it out. It's a complicated thing you do. Not everybody could do this. I, I feel like looking at your situation with dealing with people, with dealing with the putting hives on buildings and things like that, that it's a, it's a super unique and important skill that you have that would thanks, take Kevin. years to master. Oh, thanks. I, I'm just, you know, my layman's view of what you do. It's, it's astonishing, the relationships are probably half of it, right? The places we went today and the people you talk to. Definitely, and that's what actually makes it fun, is the relationships, because beekeeping is kind of a solitary, kind of quiet occupation, but when you can interact with people that are excited about seeing you and excited about the local honey that they're gonna get from their backyard beehives, it makes it better, and it makes it, it, makes it kind of fulfilling. So I should say we just spent the day together and I went and helped you with a couple of hives you have here and there for your different clients. And I noticed how much your relationship with the people. We, we actually encountered people in every location we went to. What was the name of the hospital? Uh, Mountainside Hospital. People were interested in what we, we were doing. Yeah, we were like in a fishbowl. Yeah, you <laughs> right? feel. We went up above the emergency room. You had bees sitting out on a landing and there was a glass wall between us and them and people in the lobby walking by would stop and watch the beekeepers work in the bees. Yeah, it breaks and up, the, it's, it's breaks up cool. the day for them, I think. But but the whole process of the guy you met at the valet, gal, the person who signed us in, the, the gentleman you met, maintenance <laughs> guy at the top, I mean, it's just that whole network. And uh, how do you bring stinging insects into an environment like that? It has to take... Uh, acumen is the word I'll use. To, to no, no, it's not out. acumen. It's a jar of honey. 
jar of honey. A jar of honey uh, greases the wheels. Right oh my gosh. <laughs> you bring a jar of honey, you talk about how unique and local and delicious and healthy it is. And people, once they taste it, they, they agree. They buy into it and they're excited to see you. So one of the things we talked about is you have usually one, two, two hives at every location, sometimes mm-hmm. up to four. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have them at ground level in people's yards. Mm-hmm. You have them on roofs and buildings. You mm-hmm. have them on skyscrapers in the city. Um, I'm always amazed to think about how to get the bees in and out. I think every time you and I have worked together, I say, well, how did you get the bees in here? And you tell me stories. Like sometimes... You take them up the elevator, and other times you're using a forklift going over the roof. So tell me some of the interesting situations you get yourself in. Yeah, we've had um, we've had some escapees in the elevators, and it's a little stressful for everyone involved, including myself. But if you can get a nucleus colony in a pretty bee-tight box and then cover it with a net and get it up to the proper hives and, and install the bees and then get off the roof or the balcony or wherever you are without bees in up your legs or on your yeah. suit, uh, you're in pretty good shape. And it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's challenging. So you need to think about all the preparation prior to getting to the location. Uh, every, every product, every tool you'll need um, so you don't have to go back down to the truck and, and make multiple trips up and down the, the elevator. Uh, it works out pretty well. Typically, um, if an escapee uh, you know, gets out in the building, you deal with it and you try and catch it and, and be gentle and, and, and release it outside. But uh, more often than not, you check yourself before you get back inside and you're bee free and you can escape with the bees on the outside and you know you and and your gear uh, back in the elevator without I almost felt like um, a hazmat situation right where you clean yourself before you go into the next you you turned me around before we went (laughs) back into the hospital because we had to walk back through the hospital in order to get to the truck and I told you the story about I brought an observation hive into my building at work and I swapped the feeder out and some bees got out and it was pandemonium. People were freaking out because there were two bees up in the light in the ceiling because they were bringing kids in for bring your kid to work day. Everybody was, so I can only imagine that's gotta be on steroids in some of the situations you get involved in. It happens, but after you make every mistake two or three times, yeah. You figure it out, and you reduce those mistakes. Again, acumen. I'll come back to the word, <laughs> right? You know how to get around that. And that's one of the things I appreciate when I go around. I don't normally get uncomfortable in situations with beekeeping, but I completely followed you like a puppy today because I, <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. That's kind of weird. That's a fun thing to do. That's great. one of the times I love. Hearing that from you it makes me yeah. feel uh, kind of proud, actually. Well, we went through the Marriott and all that stuff uh, that, that one time. I didn't feel worthy uh, doing some of that stuff with you, and I, I think that's kind of cool. Um, you got How many people do you know keep bees on buildings? It, it's a very unique skill. Yeah, I know. Frankly. I know a couple, but not many. And um, yeah, you got to be willing to take a couple couple hits to the chin. But um, you know, the, nobody's gone into anaphylactic shock from a sting. I don't even think anybody's gotten a sting. They get a little yeah. nervous once in a while, but 
it's okay. Yeah. When, so today we were at the hotel in Montclair up on the roof. You had some mm. hives up there and we met with the chef and he was so excited about the premise of the local honey and, and all of that. He was actually seemed like pivotal to getting you in there and stuff. And, and you mentioned to him how the, the purity of the honey coming right from the hive, people generally don't know that. They just, we beekeepers so take it for granted. And I watched him talk to you and just the pure joy and excitement. He could not wait till this summer when you're gonna crack open a hive for him. Yeah, he That's lit up. That's so cool. Yeah. Well, he's, he's uh, preaching to the choir. He's all about local and sustainable and smells and looks and tastes. And, you know, he's an easy sell. You, you bring yeah. honeybees to him, he's all in from the beginning. We promised him a frame of honey that he can taste the nectar and honey and pollen. And he's just so excited. Uh, and, and he's the kind of guy that makes your day go by really well. So one of the things I also see um, in looking at your operation is logistics. Uh, we went to go visit Grant Styles today, bought some equipment, and with the amount of hives that you have, um, two things that I notice is just your, your accounting of your operation. You, you were telling me you track things with spreadsheets and stuff like that. That's not a backyard beekeeper. And the other side of it is that the efficiency in which you work your hives. When we went in today, I I was trying to like scrape the tops of the frames <laughs> off, and you're like, yeah, put that box up. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> yeah. There's a cost just, benefit to uh, to being super again, neat. Acumen. Yeah. You you live and learn. You know it. Uh, yeah. You're, you're very efficient. Is the word I would use. Thank you. And. You know, you can spend a lot of time keeping the, the, the frames free of, of, of uh, comb and stuff like that, but you risk ending up having more bees on your suit when you try and get back into the building, and the cost-benefit isn't worth it. So a little mess on the hive doesn't bother me at all when I can get back down into the elevator without any bees on me. So we met a homeowner that came out while we were walking up to the hive and they were telling you that one of the hives swarmed. One of the things I always perceive is how hyper vigilant you have to be to manage your hives for swarms. But he had said that his hive swarmed and he was perfectly fine with it. And you did a great job at explaining to them. And, you know, we had a subsequent conversation about, you tell people up front, the natural inclination of a honeybee is to be healthy, they're going to swarm. It's a possibility. I think that's kind of cool that you are not trying to hypermanage these things to prevent them from doing what nature would intend them to do. And if they swarm, you educate people that you might see a swarm, and if a swarm is in your tree, give me a call, come take care of it, right? That kind of thing. Sure. I, I like that aspect of your approach. And it turns out the people that are interested in keeping bees are interested in nature and they appreciate the idea of a hive splitting itself and carrying on in another location. So there's a learning curve. First year, people that have honeybees are, you know, they see a, a couple of dead bees in the front and they give me a call, what's happening? Um, by year two, a swarm doesn't necessarily bother them. And if it does, 
I'll come and collect it. But if it doesn't, they may or may not even call me. So there's a learning curve for the, the, the folks who I'm bringing the bees to and for me. And it turns out that, again, most people that want the bees are nature lovers and greenies and they're interested in the sustainable aspect. So they're not going to be super, uh, you know, sensitive or scared about yeah. a swarm. I, I joked with you about how plugged you in and plugged in you are with the neighborhood. I called you the mayor because you seem to, you know, know everybody that we interacted with and whatever. But what's a day in the life for you? Uh, the people you go meet, the people you interact with, they know you as a beekeeper around here? Yeah, they call me the bee guy and that's fine. I, I call myself the A guy. But uh, <laughs> that's funny. That's what I, I enjoy being around people. I get energy from you know, other people's excitement and, and enthusiasm. You're like a consummate networker, for sure. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's how um, the word spreads. So if uh, a neighbor has a, a honeybee colony and they're excited about it, they'll maybe they're particularly uh, interested in social media and they get the word out, and next thing you know, you got another person interested, and I'll chat with them about the uh, benefits of having bees in their backyard, and... Uh, Maybe they'll they'll have a hive or two. Yeah. So I was with you first thing this morning, and we're now towards the end of the day, almost getting to dinner time. But, and I got a sense of it. But take me through a day in the life. What's a day in the life for you look like? I mean, it looks like some days you're running around here, right in your neighborhood, and other days you're over in the city proper. And yeah, this time of year it's busy, man. We're it's early spring, and we're trying to keep on top of the population. So we're adding boxes. We're making sure that the bees are mite free. Uh, we just added a ton of nukes to uh, hives that are either brand new or that have died over the winter. Um, I've got some help lined up to uh, keep on track of um, regular maintenance visits as well as honey harvesting. Um, some hives are well ahead of what I had expected and we can start pulling some frames. Um, yesterday, uh, I spent some time with a, a friend who, or a, a client who's a friend who um, was interested in getting into the hive with me. So I have an extra suit with me typically. The guy joined me, he's had shorts on. We talked about what we're looking at and ended up pulling a frame and enjoyed eating some nectar looking honey and some some wax-covered honey and some pollen, and uh, it was a it was really a nice experience. He had a neighbor over, so when I can um, chat with the people that I basically, if I don't like you, I'm not gonna bring honeybees to you because yeah. I'm not. <laughs> I don't want to have to fight to uh, to keep the bees with you. I, I I really am interested in people that are like-minded and are interested in having the bees for the same reasons that I'm interested in, in keeping bees. And when that works out, it's really a lovely experience. So I, I had a blast. I have a blast every time just to come hang out with you guys and or go work bees. And I, I wanted to uh, take a moment and pivot. We went to Africa together. Yeah, man. That, that was, was a good bla- time. That was a blast. Huh? That was crazy. That was a life experience. What, that... what do you remember uh, mostly about that? Well, I looked over at you when we when we were on safari, and we saw those elephants coming <laughs> the along. Elephants coming. To and us. you looked over, and your mouth was wide open, and we locked eyes. Holy cow! But the bees over in Africa were just, just uh, you know, challenging, and the 
the folks that we met were interesting. Our, our first day was a church service where there was music and, and just a, a lovely, lovely vibe of camaraderie and community and, and, and love. I mean, I... Yeah, Tom Watkinson's went with us, and he stopped by today to pick up some bees from yeah. you. It was kind of cool to see him in the driveway. So I, 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 we've made friends. I have friends now that, that are going to be lifelong. Yeah. My wife and I had one of the best vacations. That if you plane can... sounds like it's going to land next to <laughs> doesn't it? We're, we're not far from Newark yeah. Airport. But we just had a wonderful time. The, the, the villagers that welcomed us were so excited to see us. We did a, 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 a goat-swapping <laughs> uh, vaccination yeah, day. all the different oh my gosh. little experiences. Walking through cornfields into the yeah. middle of a mud hut. With were you there when the guy bit into the larva? Yeah. And I, he was running down his face? You were there. I ate. That. I, I <laughs> ate larva with you guys. It tastes like coconut. It tastes like coconut. <laughs> Who knew? But we were with our state apiarist, who is a, uh, a board member of this Villages in Partnership. It's a charitable organization that is interested in education and health and infrastructure and supporting, uh, you know, kind of so side... Strong Villages in Partnership. Yeah. What an incredible uh, organization. Back to the elephant thing. I'll share this with you now, the impression I had. Remember there was the driver, and then there was the spotter that was sitting on the front with a gun <laughs> and i thought to myself he's got skin in the game <laughs> and when he gets nervous we're in trouble he had an m16 he looked a little <laughs> bit uh dodgy at one point when the elephant was charging we us. had a great time we he got stuck in the mud looked at the driver and wanted the driver to go a little quicker it was like jurassic park <laughs> <laughs> yeah that <laughs> was the vehicle faster <laughs> what a trip yeah what a trip what a blast so how long uh, have you been in this business? I think I've been doing this. I started as a hobbyist for three, four years, and I, I really um, organically got my feet wet and learned slowly and uh, chipped away at my beekeeping skills. And uh, now it's been probably six, six or seven years on my own bringing bees to uh, people's backyards. Are you at a saturation point? I'm not sure. Yeah. I have a tough time saying no, so it's, it's yeah, tough. There's got to be a point, though, where the phone just rings too much. Uh, does it slow down in the wintertime for you? Yeah, it's real quiet. Yeah. So I try and do different things. I volunteered at the Community Food Bank. I taught a class at the Montclair State University. And this last winter, I gave myself a break, and we stripped the wallpaper off the house and, you know, skim-coated. <laughs> and this is uh, something where you involve... You were talking about helpers that you have and your family goes with you. Yep. How much do they get involved in this? It's uh, quite a bit. My son is uh, 21 years old. He's a big, strong kid. He helps with all the lifting. My daughter is 24. She's uh, decent with the, um, not decent, she's excellent with, um, you know, Google and uh, all the forms and docs and um, PDFs and stuff that I just don't know. So it's, it's a real family business in a way, in a sense that... Um, Everybody helps out. Even my wife is into it. She's, she's been supportive from day one. Uh, we were both out of work for a minute, and uh, she said, stick with this instead of going back into television. Yeah. And it, it, it meant everything. You ever miss the television stuff? Sure. I, I, I enjoyed television for the same reason I enjoyed The Bees, where I was working with a staff of people that would you know work towards a common goal and, and get a, a piece on the air. In this case, it's 
getting uh, you know, a, a safe and productive and you healthy. Where I saw this about you not too long ago. You worked with Chris Como, yeah. I did. I had no idea that. We used to watch him on TV every CNN, morning. CNN, yeah. Well, I worked with him. Uh, we kind of crossed paths at Fox for a minute, and then uh, that was his first gig. And uh, then we both ended up at ABC News together, and we became pretty good buddies. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like him. Uh, from the beekeeping scene in New Jersey, I know you participate with Essex County sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, know a couple of those people. Do they ever ask you questions, or like, are, are people in that club from up here? I, I don't get a sense of what that association's, where their people are. Are there beekeepers around here? That's the question I'm asking. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a um, popular. Yes, in in town here, it, we have a small town. There yeah. are, are several people that are and members. Are part of the association? Yeah, and it's it's grown exponentially in the past three four years. Um, you know, from thirty or so, I'm making this up, to right. hundred and change uh, members. I, I just never, you know, the funny thing is, I've been, I've actually uh, done some sessions with that club or whatever, but yeah. I never could figure out where the beekeepers come from. So, are there people? You know, I see you, you've successfully put bees in, how do I say this? This is more like a town setting to me. I live in the country. I can't see my neighbors from my house. There's enough space in between. Here, the houses are right next to each other. And I wouldn't say they're small lots, they're a mix. So the beekeepers around here, I would almost call city beekeepers. Hmm. Is this a city? I don't know. It's, it's, you know, it's suburbia, but I'm so excited about the bees that I suggest w when somebody's interested in having bees in their yard, yeah. that you have it in a prominent space where you can see the honeybees coming and going. You don't want to hide them behind a tree. You want to put them out in public and, and have don't, people don't appreciate. People, I, I don't know. I, don't, I always had this sensibility that people would freak out about my neighbor's got bees and I'm yeah. going to get stung and all the other stuff. I, I think that's When old. you ride around here, do you see bees in people's backyards? Not yours, but others? Uh, well, the beekeepers that I know, I see the bees, but no, not not, not really. Yeah. And um, I think that's kind of an old school of way of thinking about it, where now um, I'm trying to promote the idea that this is a safe and healthy and natural and sustainable way of going about business. What was the name of the park? Vlad something. Van Vleck Gardens. Van Vleck. We've got two beehives. They're right at the front garden. entrance, alongside the road, yeah. next to the sidewalk. And people can see them. And, and that's the point. you said to me, it, you just look for a 10-foot barrier around them. Well, that surprises me. Well, the state says, you know, you're supposed to keep them 10 feet away from the sidewalk yeah. and don't aim them at your neighbor's kid's bedroom. And we do that. But I really make a point of, of trying to promote the idea that you want to see these bees coming and going because they're beautiful. And and you watch them landing at sunset, there's nothing better. It gets inside you, and you feel good. <laughs> I, I just, I'm, I'm kind of surprised. I, I think it's cool that you're doing this and that it works. it's working, and it's no big deal. You, you don't seem phased by it, which I would have thought the complete opposite, but, yeah, it's cool to see what you're doing here. There's a learning curve. Year one, you get a lot of calls, and every little nuance, uh, you get a call and you explain it. This is a good sign. This is fine. Bearding this summer is going to be a ton of different calls. Yeah. And you say, yeah, this is natural. They're they're trying to keep cool. But year number two, everybody's cool, and they and they and they watch and they know it's not a threat, and they spread the word and they tell their neighbors, don't worry, 
Where, and, and they give them a jar of honey of their local. Nice. Their local, you know, it's a, it's a terroir. Yeah, it's part of an educational process mm-hmm. that I suppose you're right. Over time, it would reach some sort of equilibrium. I, it doesn't I take long. I uh, always thought that it would be harder than it is, but I, you've demonstrated. So like, did I. And over the years, it's become easier and easier, and, and I'm less stressed about people learning how non-threatening these honeybees are. Yeah, and so that, that's really kind of where I was driving at is I always envisioned it would be very complicated in this environment to have a hive and have people know it's there. But you've demonstrated over periods of time that people like anything else, they get used to it. and. Uh, you've you've pulled it off. I don't want to say you're pulling the wool over anybody's eye. You pulled it off, and it, and it just seems natural and normal. And I, I'm taking a lesson from that that I, I wouldn't have expected that. It changed my impression of the way driving around with you and seeing <laughs> hives in people's yards in this setting, and it's no big deal. But the people that are interested are the people that we are, uh, you know, akin to. The people that are going to be less stressed about it. A person that's anaphylactic, you know, worried about anaphylactic shock is not going to ask for a honeybee hive right. in their backyard. What, what do you know, when we were on top of the hotel today, we watched the bees go out and they made a U-turn and went back towards the ridge. Mm-hmm. What about the forage in this area? Did, I, I, you obviously have only ever kept bees in this area, but do you find that your hives are plentiful? They're, every single hive I saw today was... was from roof to ceiling full of bees. Yeah, they do very well. There seems to be plenty of nectar and, and resources, pollen. And uh, I don't know, I haven't, I guess I encountered one case where we had, you know, eight colonies in one location mm-hmm. and, you know, five of them really didn't do very well at all and three of them did okay. But when you do two or four colonies in a location and you're separated by a, a half mile to a mile from your next, your next spot, um, you got all these all these trees and and backyard gardens and nectar producing plants that uh, the bees do very well and the honey is delicious and each location provides its own unique honey year after year the taste the yeah. smell the viscosity the color is different I was here probably and I added a deep and a super. I put these nukes in three, four weeks ago. Really? And these, I believe, were uh, a Saturday. Um, they look like a full-size colony. You would never know that they're just starting. You'd never know. So What's the, the name of this road right here? This is Bluefield Avenue. It goes all the way to Newark. Okay. This goes at, at dead ends at Route 46 in, in uh, Pinebrook. Okay. How high up are we, do you know? Uh, I think we're seventh. So there's the city under cloud. That is cool. Yeah, and there's, it's cloudy. Um, see. Let's see. Well, in the direction I'm pointing is the uh, Verrazano. Yeah. And you can see the Gothels Bridge. There's Newark, downtown Newark. Where? Right there, right? That clump. Yeah. Uh, you can see the um, tower for uh, Newark Airport right about there. Yeah, you see the see. big tree yeah. to the right in the clouds? That's Newark Airport. Yeah. So that's 78 and the park and the turnpike. Where are they flying to? Can you tell? 
they, like they seem to be going up. A U-turn, yeah. Going up the mountain. Going up the mountain. So I have a theory about some of these rooftop hives. Yeah. Less work to get up, over, and down. Yeah. Instead, they're just going over and over and, and down. Back up and, and up. They don't have. They're they're not expending as much energy as they would if they're uh, regular ground hives. Absolutely no proof of that whatsoever. But this is this is uh, about as perfect as you can get, right? Away. Nobody would ever bother these if they. They got the run of the place. They're going to do land on their building. I mean, this is panacea for this type of arrangement that mm-hmm. you have. And a green roof. Yeah. How did you get these bees in here? Through the elevator. Through the elevator. Yeah, so what we'll do is we'll um, take a four or five frame nuke box, mm-hmm. put them in one of these nets, draw string it up as tight as possible, and bring them in on a, on a hand truck typically to less jostling. So, so you have two here, and you had two at the other place. Is it always two? I try, ever do I try and do two at a time. Yeah. It helps guarantee a honey harvest for the client, and it gives me an ability to beg and borrow and trade from the stronger to the weaker, keep them both healthy. But never more than two because they would be overwhelming? or No. Um, I mean, does anybody ask you about 10 hives? Yeah, okay. we've had four. We had eight up on a supermarket rooftop, and yeah. uh, it didn't work. Two or three of them did well. The rest of them crapped out. It was just too many for that area. Yeah. And uh, it's tough. It's tough when you have... Uh, that many in in one location on a rooftop because it's, it's just not heavy. necessary, honestly. Yeah, but and it's, it, it's too it's much. It's just the point of it's you get it's greedy too. Like I don't need to have more than more than two. I feel the wind blowing pretty heavy up here, more than obviously down on the ground. Do you ever have wind problems with these things? Yeah, all the time. I mean, you know, the Marriott this winter Marriott. blew over. Yeah. Um, so what I'll do is I'll use a cinder block setup and strap. Uh, either um, nylon is your hive stand secured to the roof, or is it just no, is it just the weight? But if it's up on the thirty-fifth floor in the middle of Times Square, I'll do four cinder blocks. Yeah, and I'll do a, a I saw three your, ratchets. Your ratchet strap. So right. ratchets on each individual. If it gets knocked over, they stay together, and then yeah. a ratchet for the for the three of them for the you know for the two for the whole setup. But yeah, it's important to make sure a lid doesn't blow off the roof and brain somebody. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, these look happy up here. But you really do have to use your brain a little more than just popping into a a yard and and going about your business. You have to be conscious of... uh, Well, I would imagine every time you come here, you have to think through the entire visit through from start to finish. Yeah, before you get up here. Yeah. Make sure you have all your materials. Yeah. You know, you don't want to run back down to the truck because you forgot a, uh, you know, smoker fuel or your lighter. Yeah. So one of my observations today when we were standing up there is just looking on, on top of the hotel, looking over to the skyline of Manhattan. You could see what's there, and it's a different impression. Now, what I mean by that is we were right smack dab in that place when you drive outside of New York City, 78, 287, Route 22, Route 1, Newark Airport, the ports of New York City, all of that stuff, it seems so industrial. Yet, while we were standing up there, I could see the beautiful ridge of Montclair behind us and and looking at all these beautiful properties and trees and, you know, the, the people who work in New York City, 
the affluent people and, and other communities that support what is New York City and all the surrounding areas, the neighborhoods around here are absolutely gorgeous, beautiful homes and properties. And so from a forage standpoint, what's not to love? <laughs> it's so strange to think about when you drive through, say, Newark and Jersey City and Bayonne to then actually look, step up from the viewpoint that we had today atop the hotel looking around. It's it's actually spectacular. It's beautiful. New Jersey is amazing in you that get, way. Yeah, poor New Jersey, it, it gets a bad rap from that New Jersey Turnpike and all the industry, but it's Jersey, called the, sure. it's called the, it's called the Garden <laughs> State. Yeah. We're the Garden State. And we're sitting here in the backyard looking at our little baby yeah, runny rabbit. Right here eating the grass, yeah. So as people become a little more conscious of pesticides and herbicide use there's the no mow may have you yeah. heard about that yes yeah, so i just talked no, about that nobody's the mowing their lawns it turns out we got dandelions growing it's unbelievable there's a there's a, a movement there's a transformation happening right now and it, it turns out there's there's the honey that we get out of northeast new jersey is delicious it's gorgeous it's it's healthy and it's yummy and you can't replicate it yeah and, uh, and you're going to blow. We think about the sous chef from the hotel that was talking about us. Oh, he he's said all in. The, the, when they make their pizza, and he walks out to the thing and he pulls the basil off the plant and he drops it onto the pizza, and they yeah. watch him walk out there to get the basil. Yeah. The same idea. When you drink, drink or eat or consume the honey, it's, it's totally different from what you buy in the store. And, you know, we know that. Uh, this is beekeeper talk. But. It's delicious. So what haven't I asked you about what you do? Well, that's what hooked me. So I, I'm, I'm in television and I'm jumping on airplanes and I'm chasing stories and I'm c convincing people to get on camera and talk about things that they may not want to talk about and tragedies and really some, some really awful things. And I'm looking for something more sustainable and something that I can build. And I, I, I want to be outdoors and I want to be, um, you know, interacting with people that want to do something environmentally conscious and it turns out that honeybees were the answer so to 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 start this in new york city you figured out honeybees were the answer even in new york city <laughs> you got the high line you... <laughs> there's 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 something called the high line in new york city yeah. it's a it's a um defunct uh above ground railroad line that yeah. they turned into a park i I keep bees that are aimed right at that high line, and the honey there is delicious. Yeah. And I don't think there's a lot of beekeepers over in that downtown New York City area. And we got three harvests a couple of years ago, a, a light, a medium, and a dark honey. And that light honey, I think I brought to Malawi. Yeah. And it was delicious. And they're excited about it. And and these are, you know, these are people that are, are really uh, economically advantaged, that they can uh, afford a, a location, a property with a, a balcony or a patio or someplace to keep the bees. But when you do, or, um, you get a, a product that is unique to the world. Now... When you're in a um, in a heavy industry New Jersey location, uh, hard up against the Amtrak line, and you know across from the bus station, y you get honey that tastes kind of like that neighborhood, and it's 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 not that great. But when you put bees in the middle of a public garden, or aimed at the High Line Pavilion, or sitting two blocks away from Central Park, the honey is gorgeous. It's delicious and it's unique. And uh, the bees know what they're doing. 
I, I give credit to the honeybees because yeah. they know where to go. They're not going to poison themselves if they can help it. It's it's us that are poisoning the bees. And as we as we learn about you know global warming and being more responsible for our own activities, I, I think it's going to help nature. And hopefully, it's just it's not it's not too late. But uh, we'll do our part. Yeah, I hear you. Um, I do want to talk about the one thing we did together, which is. At one point, your hives up on top of the Marion didn't do well. They were on the 65th floor, is that right? And we I brought think it was down. the rooftop at like 78 floor. You know, it was yeah. it, so tell me, three quarters of a mile high. I know the answer, but tell, tell what was one of the challenges? Yes, it was up there. It was Mount Everest. There was the wind was blowing around. You're in the middle of Midtown Manhattan, and it was too high. The the bees, I I believe, couldn't find their way back home, and the the wind was so challenging to to fly to and from the hive that they didn't do so well. So we brought them, you know, fifty percent lower to the thirty fifth floor, and uh, there's a little balcony, and they're doing quite well. They're looking right at the at the ball that drops on New yeah. Year's Eve, right in Times Square. But if they do a U-turn, they head two, three blocks north to Central Park, and they're doing quite well. Uh, it's been three, four years now since we moved them down downstairs, and uh, we're pulling honey from them, and they're surviving the winter. I think about all the people that you interact with this and the impression you leave with them. Um, you're a people person. I was joking with you how you remember everybody's name, and just, just the fact that... Uh, so-and-so calls you make them feel like a friend and um, what a what an ambassador you are i'm giving you props thanks I, man I'm just i had such a blast going with you that's my job yeah that. yeah and it that's what makes me happy something. well it it's, I, I don't think anybody if you decide you know, tomorrow i'm going to try and do this no way you, you never it's no, impossible thanks. it's going to take years to listen it makes have a clue it makes me happy to uh you know be the ambassador for the honeybees and and for the uh you know for the services that we can bring people and if if i can make a friendship out of, and i and i have the, the place we got that swarm today yeah uh that was the backyard honeybee hive um there's a tie-in too we talked earlier he's the guy that uh introduced me to the melavino oh is that guy. right yeah he had him over at his print shop and uh that was the first time i met i met the guy sergio, that makes the yeah. sergio that makes the mead mm-hmm. so it's a small circle of folks once you get to you know a couple of years in it's all it's all uh kind of a small group of people that are like-minded and that's what that's what kind of makes it worthwhile yeah, so, you know, Sharon and I, we love you guys. We love you and Mary. We love coming to see you guys. Uh, unfortunately, you're on the other side of the state, but uh, I think we'll be lifelong friends. And Hell yeah. I've been looking forward to this chat. Uh, I, I didn't want to kill the subject. I just wanted to get a sense of it. And, uh, you know, anytime you want to, you know, whatever. I think I was with you in early, early spring. Now I'm in the height of spring. You have to have me back during summer during harvest, during fall, whatever. I would love to see the different seasons and the stuff that you do. Absolutely. And how that works. Well, the best part of this is bringing the honey to the client and saying, give a taste. Yeah. And, you know, we don't bother with a spoon. I, I tell them to hit it from the jar. <laughs> what, what's your uh, website address? It's behavenbees.com. B-E-E-H-A-V-E-N. Behaven. Bees.com, yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I appreciate uh, the invite today and just getting a chance to connect with you. It's been Me too, man. I a miss you. Years <laughs> since this whole COVID thing, uh, we came up here and had dinner with you guys one time, and we haven't uh, been connected. And I give you a phone call the other day, and here we are. So uh, awesome. let's, let's do this a little quicker next time. Huh? Yeah. All right, man. Thanks. Thanks for chatting, and, uh, you know, we'll keep in touch. Beekeeper's Corner. Whoop. Ding, ding. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> Yeah, thanks to uh, Eric Cannon for that day. Appreciate it and have to end the episode with saying, like our beloved bees, when beekeepers go together, we can accomplish great things. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next time on the Beekeeper's Corner.